on. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year 2022. We welcome you all to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I am a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one session and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our website can be found at lifecoachdanemzalag.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our fifth episode of season five, a very special guest, Brandon Belizo. Now, just like every of my past episodes, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Brennan, the floor is yours, my friend. Hello. It's wonderful, and I'm extremely grateful to be here with you, Dr. Dan. Um, You know, people ask me all the time, what is it that I do? And I am a modern-day Renaissance man. I'm an entrepreneur. I've owned businesses since my 20s. But really... My life mission is to live your best life. So whether it's for myself or people or businesses or companies, I'm very passionate about that. And whether that's writing a system, replacing an old habit with a new one, developing a brand, uh, cultivating a culture, or simply helping an individual find out what is balanced for them and what is their path to happiness, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the world and I serve people. Beautiful. So um, talk a little bit about your own journey to decide that you said that happiness is a purpose. But as you know, uh, Brennan, happiness is not sustainable. No one can be happy every single day of their lives. So for you, what triggered to be able to go through that specific journey? Well, I think it's not sustainable. And we witness that every day. I am blessed to work with children as well. And a child can go from crying, upset to totally happy. And you watch that and you go, that's, so I think if I had to share that with people, it's understanding that in Taoism or Buddhism, we speak of the way, the yin and the yang. There is no happiness without sadness. There's no joy without hardship. And there is no bliss without suffering. And in most Eastern cultures, we don't put a lot of weight on suffering. Suffering is just part of life. Correct. It really is. And I believe in our Western culture, the challenge with that, and I've experienced that. And that's why my journey has taken me through a lot of different realms um, to discover my version of happiness, is that we think a bigger house, a bigger car, a different relationship, all these external devices are the key to happiness. And of course, you know, look at our society, it perpetuates that be it Vogue magazine or or whatever's out there. So really, for myself, it's a journey. And that's what I love so much about the title of your show. It's never a destination. It is a journey. And a thousand mile journey begins with a single step. And happiness is found for me in that step, in that one breath, one word, one step. So really learning to be present for me offers me the most sustainable state of positivity, happiness for a lack of a better word. But you're right. It is not sustainable. Why? Why, Dr. Dad? Because we think it should be a Hallmark greeting card. (laughs) We really do. We really do. And love is not a Hallmark greeting card, nor is happiness. And if I may, can I share a story? 
when my sister died and she was the most sustainable person in my life. We grew up together in a foster home. You know, my father was physically abusive. We comforted each other when my mom would disappear for three days at a time because she was an alcoholic. You know, her and I would raise my sisters because my father was gone as well. When she died at 40 years, uh, that's about 20 years ago. And I stood in the church and I was delivering her eulogy. And I said to the audience, well, the audience, the people who were there was about 400 people. I said, this is the happiest day of my life. And this is the saddest day of my life. And they all looked at me like, okay, he's distraught. His sister just died. I said, because I wouldn't be this sad unless I was allowed to love so deeply. How blessed am I? So that's what I'm sharing, Dr. Dan. It's the yin and the yang. And, and we put so much discomfort on suffering that we need medication and, you know, all these other external devices, shopping, sex, drugs, anything to feed that imbalance. And just, you know, we think it's so awful to suffer when it's inevitable. We will suffer. It's part of life. And if you can be okay with that. And, and I think this is very poignant. The Dalai Lama said, the person who is richest is the one who could be happiest with the least. That is very deep, actually, uh, Brennan. Um, would you would you like comfortably say, or maybe not, that this whole journey, as you mentioned, if there is sadness, you, I mean, for you to be able to feel happy, you have to go through sadness. Absolutely. Be wealthy, you have to go through lack of abundance, etc. Does it work the same with those laws of attraction, where thoughts become the things, which is things is a destination, thought is the origin, but in between. It's action and belief, which is the journey to be able to reach those destinations. But then again, if you look at your, our society, Brennan, everyone says when they accomplish a goal, the one question that they repeat is, what's next? Okay, so is it because they lack appreciation or being grateful for what they've obtained in life that they could never be happy? Hence, the reason why I ask you, is happiness sustainable? Well, I believe it's habitual. Mm -hmm. If I make a system or a process in life, such as, you know, if I want to lose 20 pounds, it's not going to happen today. But through a new habit, a new lifestyle of eating and exercise over time, I will cultivate and lose 20 pounds. Now to sustain that weight loss and keep it off, I have to keep practicing that habit. Right. So it's the same thing here. When you talk about the law of attraction, the law of abundance, I totally embrace that, Dr. Dan. I love that concept because abundance is something I cultivate. You know, attraction is right. You no, know, trouble always finds me. No, it's the energy you put out into the world. And through a meditative practice and through grounding every morning, I put my best foot forward. I want to share with people the best parts of me. But make no mistake. The things that ail me, I'm transparent. I'm not going to sit them in a closet with shame, the skeleton in the closet. I will openly tell the world I was molested. I will openly tell the world I was bankrupt at 25. I will openly tell the world I was a womanizer. I, I have no challenge with that because if I live in this state of shame, then I will never heal those parts of me. Right. And so then I live this facade, this illusion. I believe sustainability and happiness comes from the transparency. Now, the yin to the yang. I don't give an F what anybody thinks about me. You know, that's, that's, I think we're here to serve each other too. As much as I'm selfish, 
I serve people really, really well. And you need to take care of yourself. I was just sharing this in another interview. If I'm on an airplane with my child and the cabin pressure drops and those masks drop down, whose mask do I put on first? Yours, obviously. So or else you can't Obviously. It's the same thing here. If I don't take care of myself, Dr. Dan, then I will suffer. And we wear it like, you know, we're a martyr. We wear it on our sleeve like a badge of honor. I work with people in the medical industry. And they're some of the most unhealthy people I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was shadowing. I was shadowing a culture at a major hospital to do a presentation. And I look at the side of the building because I was walking the floors. Everybody looks obese. They're smoking cigarettes. They're drinking Diet Cokes. And I'm like, you guys are nurses and doctors and you're in health. And what imbalance is that? So really, I think what we're discussing more is processes. What habits can work for you to at least put you in a better state? to create happiness. And it is an effort. Make no mistake. We've all woken up in a bad mood and we go, how, how come I'm in a bad mood? I'm in a funk. Well, we have a choice to stay there or not. And if you have put certain habits, certain processes in place, you have a better chance of that one moment of being in a bad mood doesn't have to turn into one hour, into one day, into one week, into one month, into years and years of that. So I think it's really important to recognize that because we look at it as bliss, nirvana, and we've all tasted that. We all have in some way, the perfect sunset, the first kiss, right? Our child being born, we've all witnessed that, And that's why we're all trying to create heaven on earth. But what does that mean? So going back to your thing about gratitude, you know, I practice an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude for me is one of the highest forms of love and if I can be grateful for what I have versus what I don't have, that I can build upon. But I'm always going, well, they got a bigger house, so I need a bigger house. Oh, they just bought a Tesla. I better buy one. Well, this guy just divorced his wife and he's got a 20-year-old grown out. Well, yeah, you know, the grass, the grass is not greener on the other side, Dr. Dan. The grass is greener where you water it. And if you're truly a grateful person, you are watering that grass beneath your feet each and every day each and every day because is, is your cup half full or half empty scientifically it's both mm -hmm. but see the mindset shift is i don't believe my cup is half full or half empty i believe i have a well with an infinite infinite source that i can draw from and that's the law of abundance you speak of now um if you look at our society that is so based into instant gratification that it has to happen now or it will never happen because people lack patience either for uh, being an entrepreneur and building their business and just look at Jeff Bezos when he started Amazon in 1994. Just look how it is now. I mean, he, he even said to the investors that there's 70% chance that you will lose all your money. He said that in his uh, first introduction speech. And uh, so that a lot of people trusted him. They didn't trust Amazon as being successful. They trusted the entity or the human behind what Amazon can become. So, but then when you look at social media, when you look at all the influencers, when you look at, oh, look at that, I'm a private jet or this or my Lamborghini or my, so that in everyone's mind, it started putting a lot of weight 
on their own shoulder to say, why did he get all this and I don't get anything? So would you recommend people to just detach themselves from social media because this is just influencing them as feeling that they're not worthy enough, which if you're not worthy enough, you're not happy enough. If you're not happy enough, you get into a vicious cycle, which is anxiety, depression, and so on and so forth. So what is your recommendation, uh, Brennan, to start eradicating this thoughts or this inflicting thought of always not being good enough for who you are in reaching happiness? Well, I mean, we know social media is an illusion mm-hmm. and the average person won't post a picture without running it through a filter. There's this great documentary it might be on Netflix or HBO social. Uh, it's, it's about social media. And they took three kids who had zero following and between buying fake bots in in Egypt that increased their numbers of viewers all over LA, Los Angeles, they have sets because you're always trying to produce content, right? They had one set. It was half an airplane, Dr. Dan. So you could shoot into this airplane and they had fake champagne glasses and they sat these kids in there and they filled it with Martinelli sparkling cider. And Hey, we're on our private jet going to Monaco. Then in another scene, they were in the backyard with a kiddie pool filled with water, added some food color, threw some rose petals, and they, you know, got some Versace glasses off Rodeo Drive. This girl laid her head back in this kiddie pool, put on these glasses, and here I am at the Four Seasons Clift Hotel at the spa. Mm -hmm. So it really is, it's an illusion. The challenge is, when we talk about the metaverse and all of that, you know, I'll be 60 years old next week. And... I grew up without computers. (laughs) I grew up without cell phones. So there was a time I understand the yin and the yang. I leverage technology to the hilt. I understand that, but I'm very mindful. But if you're born into that, that imbalance, you don't even know it's there. I watch two-year-old kids playing with their parents' iPhone in the restaurant so the parent can eat as soon as they can. They can work their way an iPad at three and four. So they have no idea, no idea what they're missing out on. So yeah, everybody should unplug from the matrix. Everybody. And again, again, it's creating that balance, right? Uh Through this pandemic, it was a great way to connect with people. It really, really was, but there needs to be balance. And as much as we hop into the metaverse and technology, I believe everybody should be doubling down on humanism. No, there's no way, no way virtual can ever replace touch. No way. And I've had deep discussions with some of my friends on this, you know, well, look at porn. Porn has been around 30 years and look at all the money it makes. Yeah. But nothing replaces human touch. So really be mindful. You know, everybody out there, just cultivate that balance in your life. It really needs to be there because we know 99% of what's out there on the internet is false. It's a fact. It's a fact. Anybody can run through someone's rich, you know, rent a mansion and run past the Lamborghini and say it's theirs by my coaching thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's life coaches galore, right? Dr. Dan, I was talking to this one kid, they're 22. And I'm going, what qualifies you to be a life coach? Well, I took this online course. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> But as Elon Musk said, yeah, like Elon Musk recently really stated, I hire based upon experience, not education. Right. And I think that's powerful. There's a certain amount of wisdom I believe I have as I turn 60 that I would have never had at 20. Never. Right. Because it's just life experience, Dr. Dan. And like Muhammad Ali said, if I behave at 50 the way I was when I was 20, then I've wasted 30 years. So I think 
that's part of my purpose and my happiness is just sharing that with people. You got to find out what works for you, right? Right? We we all got to figure out what works for us. And I did an interview recently where he said, well, okay, with all your wisdom, what would you go back and tell your 20-year-old self? I said, nothing. (laughs) I go, why? I don't want to mess up that 20-year-old's game. He should be 20. He should be a knucklehead and falling down and making mistakes and being 20, right? I don't want to mess up his head with all this wisdom, right? He needs to be 20 because there's certain experiences you, we all know that go along with being 20 that are really cool. <laughs> it's really cool to be 20. So be 20, right? Now, um, let, let's go back to what you mentioned because now, um, as you know, uh, Brennan, the metaverse is becoming more and more popular now that Facebook and uh, Google and all the other major uh, tech players are jumping into it. It's going to cause more, even more illusion to people's lives because already now, just with social media um, and because of this pandemic that occurred that created more of online interaction versus face-to-face, but now it's, it's living into an augmented reality. Already our reality is fake. So that's exactly saying augmented fakeness, not reality. So how is going to be human interaction happening in the next 10 years as the metaverse develop? Well, I think, again, the yin to the yang, right? All these young kids that created Twitter and Snapchat, they're now 40 years old with kids. And they're going, oh, my God, look at the monster we created. So there's actually a whole movement of all these former CEOs of Facebook and Twitter and all of them. And they're all banding together to say, hey, guys, this isn't really healthy. Let's balance this thing. Let's be mindful of that. Let's be extremely mindful of that. But again, if I never have human touch and I'm born into this, I don't know what I'm missing. So I believe the critical thinkers, the thought leaders, yourself, myself, we need to keep singing that song. And, and sharing with people that, yeah, enjoy this podcast, then go out there and hug somebody, right? <laughs> Don't sit there in a virtual reality and feel the sun on your face. Go outside and feel that sun. There's a huge difference. It's a huge, huge difference. So humanism needs to be a movement as well. And I think people, if they're conscious, if they're present and they're mindful, then they will make that investment. But just sitting in an airport, every time I travel somewhere, I'm like, Oh my God, nobody talks to each other. Nobody looks at each other, right? They stare into that phone because it's a form of an addiction. You know, they talk about the cortisone dumps and the endorphin dumps when you're watching a reel or you're at social media or you get a hundred likes. I mean, all of that. It's another form of addiction in many ways, in many ways. So now your journey as as you're approaching the 60s, uh, Brennan, um, and by the way, like I said, you don't look uh, at all like a 60 much, much Thank younger. You. So I think this is because of exercise, because of you know, proper eating habit. But now with all this obesity that we see in our society, especially in the US, where over 61% actually are um, you know, severely overweight uh, or even morbidly obese. Now, as they're entering a new phase of technology, would you say that this is just going to elevate the numbers of people with mental illness, with physical illness? So are we, are we heading the right direction? I mean, especially when it comes to happiness. Happiness is, again, is a purpose. We want to be happy. We want to be empowered <clears throat> to become happy. But yet, what we see around us in our direct environment is the complete contrary of what happiness should be. So yes, sir. is there a way to go back to basics and start well, reversing everything? You know, let's instead of looking at the 61%, 
that are morbidly obese, let's look at the 39% that are healthy and strong. Okay. Because we can build upon that because life is a choice. And if I want to wake up today and put 3000 calories in my body, that is my choice. The scary part about addiction, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, is when you believe you no longer have a choice. Okay. That's, see, really happiness is recognizing you do have a choice. And when I recognize I'm a full-grown adult who's not under the tyranny of an abusive father where I had no choice, where I wasn't an eight-year-old boy being molested, right, where I didn't have a choice, where I was born into poverty in a foster home and I did not have a choice, then it, when you move from that victim to a victor mindset, the potential is unlimited. Because this is not what we're all trying to do, be a better version of ourselves. In order to do that, Dr. Dan, we have to do what? Tap into our unlimited potential. And it's there for all of us. But old habits die hard. It's much easier to wake up and go to McDonald's and get a, you know, a breakfast. It's easier to do that than to sit there and meditate for 20 minutes, drink 64 ounces of water, you know, eat something substantial and get your day started right. But to me, the morning ritual is, is really huge for me. I don't wake up and go on to social media. I wake up and meditate. I pray. I drink water. You know, there's a certain ritual that I go through to, to create that state of homeostasis, that mindset that helps me have a better day than not. Because we will face challenges throughout the day. And as they come at me, if I'm in the right frame of mind, we process it better. We simply do. So I know we keep going back to the metaverse and, and society and obesity, but I'm going to look at that 39%. I like walking into a store and all the end caps, potato chips, potato chips, potato chips. I got to go way over here, buried in the corner for vegetables. Yes. At a big market, you go to a more ergonomically correct, a more conscious market. Where's the fruit and vegetables front and center, front and center. I walk into my favorite store. The blueberries are right there in front of me. When I come in the door, big chains, you walk in alcohol, candy, potato chips. So again, that awareness that we need to all find within us, it's there. You ever like, I bought a car because I thought nobody had it. And the sudden I'm driving around and everyone's got the same car as me in the same color because it was just a shift in my consciousness, right, Dr. Dan? It was just a shift in my consciousness. So whatever we focus on expands. Okay. Now I'm so that's a huge shift. I'll challenge your thought, Brennan. Um, you said that, what you put in your mouth is completely your choice. That is true. However, if the suppliers or the, the distributors of food, and if they, let's say, they increase suddenly all the price of the junk food and they sell the price of vegetables and food at much cheaper, isn't there going to be a twist right now of the people's mindset to say, well, now I could afford the, the healthy vegetables and not the crap? You have to, there's, you have to have a balance there, uh, Brennan. Yeah, but absolutely not because we know sugar and salt is an addiction. <laughs> we know that it doesn't replace the thought, you know, I mean, I grew up very, very poor and I'm amazed how everybody had an iPhone, the latest Michael Jordans and stuff, but they couldn't feed their kid. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's a mindset. So in the neighborhoods I grew up in, there were no vegetable stands. There were no places that sold food. There were a lot of fast food places everywhere on every block. It's cheap, fast food. We know to eat healthy, just like to think healthy requires time and an investment and your intent. If my intent is truly to cultivate happiness, 
then I will understand. I put 3000 calories in my body and, you know, follow it up with a soda and milkshake. I'm going to be sick and it's going to create depression in my body and my body's going to be sick. But if that's all I know, and I feel like I don't have a choice, that perpetual habit will happen again and again and again. So even though you have those bad habits and it's in the book, Atomic Habits, I have a bad habit. I have to be willing to stack a good one right on top of it. You eat that quarter pounder with cheese, you go walk three miles after that. (laughs) And pretty soon that old habit will die. But like old habits die hard. We're talking generation from generation from generation of this preconditioned thinking. And me growing up poor, if I didn't eat everything on my plate, I had to stand in the hallway and hold this plate. Until my father said, you know, and then he put it in the fridge and serve it to me for breakfast. So when I sit in a restaurant, normally I would eat everything on my plate. And, you know, American portions are huge. They're freaking huge. Supersize me. You know, that movie Supersize Me that came out a while years ago. That's very poignant. That guy was sick. The doctors tell him, stop after one month. Please stop. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Fast food. So now, but with a shift in my mindset, I make better choices when I eat. I'll eat half of that food and take the rest as a fueling three hours later. Right. But the yin to the yang, the holidays come around. I enjoy that food. But then the next couple of days, I'll fast and balance it. It's really a lifestyle, but it takes that mindset shift. And once you realize you're not a prisoner of that thinking and you have the ability to shift your mindset, you can go from sad to happy. A kid does that innately. And that's that's one of my greatest teachers watching that kid crying hysterically one second. Next second, they're laughing. How the heck does that happen? Because innately, we have both of it inside of us. It's in us. But unfortunately, because of all the preconditioned thinking, all the unauthorized, unauthorized thought patterns, right? And a lot of it is social media. I agree with you. People do not think they have a choice. You made a very good point about, uh, you know, when, when we first watched the movie 1997, the first uh, Matrix, okay, with uh, Keanu Reeves and all. And a lot of people watch this movie because of the action, uh, you know, behind it. But they didn't really understand the message. They really didn't understand or, or capture what Warshawski brothers, now sisters, <laughs> um, try to, you know, portray to the general population. And it makes sense. We all live in a reality that we feel is real. But are we really real? Are we really like, or are we just like, is there an architect of the Matrix, just like the movie, etc.? I mean, the, the point here is that if, let's say, you summarize everything that you have learned in your life, Brennan, okay, to be able to cultivate happiness, what would be the best advice that you will give to the Generation Y or Generation Z to be able to start opening their eyes, living mindfully, and not try to pay too much attention to what their neighbor or the Joneses have or whatever it is and live sad or live like I'm not good enough or or those self-fulfilling prophecy that you say, well, this person is better than me. I am not worthy enough of abundance, et cetera. So what would be like the best advice that you would give them? I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges with our, the Gen X disease is the sense of entitlement. I think that needs to be eliminated right away. You are not entitled to anything. You get out of life what you give to life. And that's real important. Like John F. Kennedy said, it's not what your country does for you. It's what you can do for your country. So whether you're in a classroom or you're in a job or you're volunteering, 
always ask yourself, what can I bring to this situation? What can I contribute? How can I support this? Because that sense of selflessness is what's going to, the yin to the yang, give you the inertia or the fuel to invest in yourself. And I think that's really, really powerful. And, and there's tons of young people I work with that I'm so amazed by. Mm-hmm. Their, their ability to be compassionate, to be empathetic. Empathetic is so important. Empathy is a lost art. Um, critical thinking, I think, is a huge one I'm going to encourage to young people. Because nowadays, I can pick this up and go, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, hey, you know, Siri, I can do that. The challenge with that is there's no critical thinking, Dr. Dan. So people live in that doubt. They live in that fear. But again, growing up, money was short. So if that car was broken, we couldn't take it to the mechanic. I couldn't look at a YouTube video. I couldn't Google anything. My dad, we had to fix that thing. So I think anytime young people can have the opportunity to figure it out, they will cultivate their self-esteem. Anytime they're faced with suffering, they embrace it with the same equality as they do a happy experience, then it doesn't have as much weight, right? But when we suffer, we suffer so deeply. We romanticize it. We put it, I mean, soap operas are still around. Mm-hmm. My wife watches soap operas. My mom watched soap operas. So they've been around for, I don't know, 70, 80 years since the advent of TV, Telenova, telenovas, right? People love suffering. Because it's very familiar. And that's why people will stay in an abusive relationship. Because I know every day you're going to beat me up. At least I know that. I can count on it. It's consistent. Well, that mindset can shift. So I think for young people, eliminating that sense of entitlement by going out and serve, volunteer work, getting in there. You know, nowadays we live in such a self-absorbed, selfie culture. And it's, it's so sad that my self-worth is based upon the image I cultivate. And I have a niece like that. And I just tell her sometimes, you know, I got a hundred likes today, but are you a nice person? What does that have to do with anything? Everybody likes me at social media. Okay. And Charlie D'Amelio is doing this TikTok dance in a midriff. So if I do the same TikTok dance in a midriff, I'm going to get 3000 views. So that's why I'm not a huge advocate of TikTok, because the first thing it does is kill everybody's individuality. One day I did one with my son. I did some stupid dance and I said, post it. He goes, why? No one's going to watch it. And my son's 13. I said, well, why? It's original and I made it up. He goes, well, because you got to take the latest song that the latest influencers doing and do the dance just like them. I said, oh, isn't that sheep being led to slaughter? Yes. Yes. Right? So really, young people, I believe is more as we move into machine learning and AI, that a lot of these menial jobs, cashiers, auto, you know, the assembly lines, they will be replaced by machines. That is a done day. Cars are going to drive themselves the whole nine yards. But the humanism, the critical thinkers that are creating the new data to feed those machines, that's, that's where the difference is that, you know, as far as being an impact on the world, not to mention, you know, profitability. Those are going to be the sought after people. They really, really are. So it's not education. It's going to be that critical thinking. One plus one equals two. That's what you learn in school. A critical thinker, one plus one equals Kool-Aid. It's unlimited. That's right. It's unlimited potential. And once we can tap into that, then it'll be a much different world for young people. But as long as they're trying to do whatever anybody else is doing, hey, here's the latest trend. Trend, trend, 
That's a horrible word because it just dumbs down people and says, stand in line, be a sheep led to slaughter. And there is no individual. There's no individuality in that. And really, that's what makes us happy is recognizing you are special. You are unique. You have a unique gift to offer this world. 10 exit, invest in it heavily. The yin to the yang, though, is because of many of us are broken. We cultivate that individuality through ego, narcissism, insecurity, and fear. There's a thin, thin line between confidence and ego. A very thin, blurred line many days for all of us because we suffer from the condition of being human. But that's the beauty in it. We are human. That is so. We are human, right? That's the cool thing. I like being human. Mistakes and all, warts and all. And that's that's actually a very, very deep message. And I hope that all of our listeners from all generation, baby boomers, generation X, Y, and Z, actually will be able to absorb the the deep impact that this message have been given to all the people that are listening to this uh, podcast. But that is all the time that we have for today's uh, episode. And I really do appreciate you, Brandon, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope that you have all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season five of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listen to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. Lance Armstrong once said, pain is temporary, quitting lasts forever. Just these few words can mean everything to some and nothing to others. Quitting appears to be a better option to others because they prefer not feeling pain as they know they don't know how long that will last. Quitting will stop the pain, but opportunities behind this pain will also disappear. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So start putting priorities to where they belong. If you want success, expect to go through severe pain and lot of discouragement, loneliness, anxiety, and so much more. But it's only at the end that you will come out a winner. Everything you do today will be a reflection of how you live your life tomorrow. Isn't it worth to feel a bit of pain at this moment so you can live a life that everyone else can only dream about? Take a minute to think about that one. My name is Dr. Dan Emzelag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.